Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue Dan, this to is number soar. two for me. Enjoy this episode. Underperforming Teams. You know, just because you throw a group of people together and call them a team does not mean that they're going to be effective collaborators uh, who are able to reach goals. Just like there are underperforming managers, there are underperforming teams. What does an underperforming team look like? Two of the obvious indicators are that they can't meet deadlines and that their deliverables are substandards. Yep, they're late and what they produce wasn't worth the wait. There's some other signs of underperforming teams. Think about how they deal with conflict because that is so telling. Do they address it openly or are there these silent subterranean battles and wars between people? Is conflict avoided? Is unhealthy conflict the norm? If you're trying to figure out team dynamics, it's important to know or to examine how much conflict exists, whether it's healthy or destructive, and how it's managed. Whether or not people feel heard, that's an indicator of underperformance. Well, it's an indicator if people don't feel heard. If people shut down and are disengaged because only a select few people's ideas are considered or only a select few people are heard and acknowledged at meetings, that's a problem. This feeling or experience of not being heard, it's not just experienced in peer-to-peer relationships on teams. Team leaders can also be the reason that people don't feel heard. If you're a team leader who dominates discussions and pushes through your agenda, it's likely that your team is performing subpar. A lack of engagement, that's another clear sign of an underperforming team. This is when people do the minimum and they do it with very little enthusiasm. It's when commitment is waning and people are there just to collect a paycheck. They're sitting there waiting for a recruiter to call them with a really good opportunity. Now, this next one is going to sound silly. It's going to sound like I'm in middle school, but if people really don't like each other, it's hard for them to perform well together. Maybe there are fundamental issues in values or fundamental differences in values. Maybe there's a negative history. Maybe there are grudges. Maybe their personal styles just conflict. Whatever the issue, whether people like each other or not, makes a difference in how they gel and perform as a team. Another one is a lack of clarity on goals and objectives. That necessarily leads to underperformance. Related to this, no, though not entirely the same, is whether team members can actually support the goals or objectives. If they can't get their heads and hearts around what you're trying to do, it's doubtful that they're ever going to work to make it happen or work really hard to make it happen or invest deeply. Okay, okay, okay. We spent enough time on the indicators of underperformance. It's time to move to the fixes. And the first thing is this. You can't ignore the problem. You can't pretend your team is stellar when they stink. And just because you're ignoring it doesn't mean that your team's underperformance 
is going unnoticed by the rest of the organization. People notice it. They see it. I believe you have to know what you're going to fix before you fix it. Begin by looking at some objective measures, and this includes how often your team meets its deadlines. Uh, Another objective is to measure do-overs. How often does work have to be corrected, revised, resubmitted? Getting feedback from internal and external customers is another important way to get objective information. End-user insights are so valuable. Ask the people who use whatever you create about their experiences, about quality, about their overall satisfaction. Those are important questions to ask, and they are hard questions to ask because you may not like the answers that you get. You know, I think that it's also really important to think about the climate and the culture of the team and to assess that. Now, it's hard to do that if trust is low. Then you're going to need a third party to conduct some focus groups, anonymous surveys, um, anonymous interviews. That's how you're going to learn how the team members are experiencing the team, the organization, and you as a leader. Now, once you've got all this data, you can begin the root cause analysis. What is at the bottom of the issues? What are the persistent themes? When you start to deal with the tough, tough questions, the questions that make you squirm, you're able to plan an intervention or a series of interventions that are aimed at improving the health and the effectiveness of the team. Of course, there's no blueprint that's going to work for every team. But what I want to do is to share a few strategies that are foundational and that will help you start the turnaround. Communication. I know we throw that word around all the time, but it's key. Start by communicating the results of the assessments that you conducted to measure the team's effectiveness. Get ready for a series of difficult conversations. You can't correct behavior that you haven't confronted. The goal in sharing the information isn't to put people on the defensive or to make them feel bad. The goal is to deal with the problems and the patterns that have surfaced. Your conversations cannot be gripe sessions or attacks. You got to frame them as first steps in team and process improvement. I think it's also important to gather team member insights on what they think will make them more effective and what will improve their team health. Ask them to think about ways to improve their collaboration and to enhance their deliverables. Look, you cannot have all the answers. I know you're smart. I know you're the team leader. But you have to ask questions so they can begin to take ownership. Now, I got to stop here and say that what I'm talking about does not happen in one meeting or one retreat or one strategy session. You're going to need to schedule and create a comprehensive approach. Start with an initial session where you review results of your data gathering and begin hearing from the team. Depending on the size of your team, you may assign task groups to address the major themes that emerged. Look, the the goal is to open the door for honest conversation and then begin course corrections. The goal is to engage the team 
in creating those course corrections. If you impose solutions, they won't stick. I want you to consider incorporating a range of team building activities into every gathering, every meeting. I'm not talking about anything corny or hokey. Find activities that give people the opportunity to explore the work, what they bring to the work, shared goals, and common ground. There are millions, there's just a gazillion of team building tools available. Find a few that fit your team and then start using them. Invite team members to facilitate team building and to develop their own activities. The goal here is to make human connections because it's the human connections that we need to get the work done well. The next thing you want to do is to use a project management tool, project management software to ensure that you're meeting deadlines. If you already have a tool, use it more effectively or find a better tool. If you don't have a tool, get one. The goal is to have an easy method for creating accountability to outcomes. There are a few other things that you, the team leader, need to do to address underperformance or team dysfunction. You need to examine your leadership style. Is it part of the problem? Ask yourself these questions. One, what's my leadership style? Two, When's the last time I participated in any form of leadership or professional development, coaching for myself or leadership learning? Three, am I open to 360 feedback to see how I'm perceived from multiple angles? And four, am I comfortable holding myself to a high standard? Once you come to terms with yourself and the role you're playing in underperformance, you can move to additional corrective measures. We talked about gathering data and using data. And there's some other stuff you can do. You can establish evaluation checkpoints. These are ways to measure regularly. They keep accountability high. An evaluation checkpoint can be anything from quarterly monitoring of delivery time to monthly check-ins to see how people are feeling about their work to random quality control checks. Your evaluation checkpoints, they have to be curated by you and your team. They have to be specific to your work, to your outputs. So you have to get input from team members on the best ways to measure what you're producing. Ask them what quality measures might be effective. Again, this is an intervention that relies on dialogue and trusting relationships. If you want to cement Change for the better, acknowledge and reward the positive. Pay focused attention to the trends that are pointing towards success. Highlight them and help team members find ways to create more positive change. If you want to cement positive change, look forward with optimism and hope. Don't dwell on past mistakes. Make the necessary course corrections and move forward with the intention of becoming and remaining a high-performing team. Let me sum up the points from this podcast. First, you have to acknowledge what's going on. Once you acknowledge it, you have to assess it and address it. Uh, Next or second, you got to work on you. 
Get coaching, deeper leadership education, and training to enhance your skills because the problem isn't all them. Some of it is you. Up next is the third one. Collaborate with your team on course corrections. Do not assume that because you're the leader, you have all of the answers. Four, I want you to decide how you're going to use evaluation checkpoints to measure progress. And finally, the fifth one, expect the best from yourself and from your team. I don't believe that there are any teams that can't be redirected. I believe that collectively, you and I have the power of creating. Decide to use your power to create the kind of collaboration that inspires commitment, engages everyone, and delivers awesome results. You got this, so go do it. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.